We make bad beer all the time. You should taste some of these beers. They're really bad. The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. Yes, it's that time. We're back on the Sour Hour Brewing Network. I'm your host, Jay. Oh, is your the box might be off there. Are there adult onesies? Is that what you asked? Yes, that is what <laughs> adult I asked. Adult onesies? Uh, no, but that's yeah, a good there call. There absolutely are. So well, welcome to the show. Yeah. Please support the Brewing Network and also support us by contacting us, 888-401-BEER. Join us in the chat, which Bevo is actively looking at. No, not at all. <laughs> The way she's looking at a China set on Amazon, <laughs> I believe. It's a good deal. Yeah, it's twenty percent off. Guys, guys, pipe down, pipe down. It's twenty percent off. You should you should pull the trigger. Buy it now and you'll get it within an hour. We're wondering what you're buying on Amazon. I do subscribe to Amazon Prime. I'm not shopping. I'm writing out the instructions on how to shut the live stream down for you. Oh my Just gosh, you're working! Oh, you're. Wow. I am working. She's only working no. to check out early so you can shut it down, right? My There's... daughter has a fever. I gotta go. Oh, I'm sorry. But hey, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon Prime streaming. Just watched the pilot last night. You, I recommended it to you, Just right? Last you like night. it? Yep. You, oh, it's great. You're gonna love it. Really, yeah, really good show. Tim, yeah. big fan too. Awesome. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Amazon Golden Globe winner, best actress. Yeah. Listen live, Brew Network app, search BM Mobile, subscribe, and leave feedback on iTunes or wherever. We do have some nice rejoiners that you guys have suggested. But hey, you know what? Hmm. Step it up. Leave your feedback. We've been lucky enough to get a lot of great reviews just by stars. But just type a few words. Say, hey, guys, thanks for the show. I would love for you to play this song. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, if if Rob, you know, you're not contractually obligated to, you know. Can you take uh, your requests? Yes. You're not contractually obligated to. Any excuse me. Stop snapping, Stefan. Any sticks. Or I can do a stick. I can run my own show. Black featuring insane. So, yeah, yeah. Rob, for example, you might leave her, you know, a five star, and then you say, <laughs> "Hey, decent job, guys. Please play yeah. what song? Black featuring Insync. Bring it all to me. Yes. What? Yes. Please play that on loop, please. Thank you to the Wine and Hop Shop, WineandHop.com. It's where to get your sour beer, wild yeast, and bacteria from Omega Yeast and Giga Yeast. Most of them are going to ship within 24 hours. Best of all, BN listeners in the continental U.S. get a flat $8 shipping rate on orders under 25 pounds. Just enter BN shipping in the notes field of the shopping cart, on, and the discount's going to be taken off after checkout. The Wine and Hop Shop. Wineandhop.com. There it is. It's a, coincidentally, Wine and Hop asked us to do the live read over this bed, so it actually worked out perfectly. Bed industry term. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Well, let's uh, let's play out to a break on this one. Sure. Should Are we, we ready for a break? Are we? I thought so. No. Am I? Were we on the air for all that, all that stuff we were just talking about? Or no? Just, please keep playing this song. I feel like we should do uh, yeah. one. Rob Mint. Do you question? Sticks, Mr. Roboto. Just we'll do a question. The unofficial, Brought to you by. TRB song right there. 
Oh, baby, bring it all to me. Bring it all, bring it all. That was right on. <laughs> What's up, Tim? Bring it all. Come for the king, you better not miss. <laughs> the wire. Mm-hmm. No wonder Bebo doesn't listen Stephon to Stefan loves show. it. All right. Any other business at the top? Yeah, Spring Brews Fest is coming up. Saturday, March 31, Brewing Network's ninth annual Spring Fest. It's right out in front of the Brewing Network's headquarters, as it were, in, in uh, Toto Santos Plaza here in downtown Concord. Over 60 breweries are already on board, so there's going to be a, a ton of beer. Also, Beeve, correct me if I'm wrong, Tasty's Tasting Room is back, right? Tasty's Tasting Room is back yes, with that, approval from the health department. After a brief hiatus, uh, <laughs> last year we were, uh, we, it was, it was uh, 86. Oh, they shut it down last yeah. year. They were not having it. So Tasty's Tasting Room, always a hit. And uh, it'll be back this year with all sorts of awesome homebrew from around the Bay Area and great food and live music and, and tons of awesome people in downtown Concord. So uh, go to the Brewing Network's homepage. You can get $40 presale tickets, but not for long. It's almost sold out. So get them while you can. Thank you to everyone who sponsors our questions at sourbeerblog.com. Dr. Lambic and his team they got great articles, the best written resource devoted to teaching you, Tommy, how to brew and blend sour beer at home. And now, they're starting a brewery in central Pennsylvania. Check out melomink.com. What is the question? Stefan, you are like a bull in a china shop. What's, that, what's happening over here? What is wrong? You're like snapping and like slamming water Whack bottles. the mic. I thought I ejected you minutes ago. <laughs> What's the question, Scott? The, the question is from the question is from Josh. Josh says, "What about using smoked malts with smoked phenols in a Brett beer? Will that bring out a more funky flavor?" So I get, he's asking, "Will Brett eat smoked phenols?" Please don't use Tommy. smoked malt. It's, it's, Just don't never use it. Yeah, I, I mean that's a personal taste, obviously. Why? But yeah, why? Um, I mean, Ralph Malt is a little bit more aggressive than anything you'll find in the sour beer that we make, I guess. So it kind of predominates any flavor that you would get from the base beer, in my opinion. Um, so, but are you saying like some of the phenols from the base? You're like doubling down, or what? What's but what's the real like? Why? Why not? Um, if it's a Ralph Malt involved, that's all I get, regardless of any other part of the beer. So it overrides everything else for you. Yes, I agree. Okay. Anyone else? Tommy, what about peanut malt? Trick question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So but but does does Brett eat smoke phenol? Like if you have an if you have a smoke sort of uh, thing in there that you don't want, will Brett take care of that? Brett will maybe consume a little bit of that phenol in order to kind of convert it to its own compounds, but for the most part, I completely agree with Tommy. What you're going to get is a very, very heavy smoked beer, and it's going to override a lot of those maybe more delicate Brett compounds. I wouldn't recommend. That is a personal choice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's, no, Didn't no, you guys no. just brew an Imperial Brett uh, beer the other week at the homebrew scale? We did, but none of it was smoked. No peated malt in the Imperial? No, none port. at all. We okay. would have. We would avoid that. Usually, okay. again, for his personal. Wee. Yeah, his we. Sean and I, we, we were working on that. So. I'm not a huge fan of uh, smoked beers, but in a small percentage, I don't disagree with it, especially when it's paired with a nice charcuterie or like a cheese board. So, uh, Wow, food yeah. pairing. Podcast. Yeah. Save it for the food pairing podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a good point. Like, yeah, I, I like in small doses, I like a smoked German lager, you know, a nice yeah. Roush beer. So if, if we're going to talk about, like, 
personally, like, beers I do not like are, like, Roush beers or Roggen beers, but if you pair it nicely with a food, I will guzzle down a pint, no problem. I'll, I'm on the I'm same page. We're all going to leave that right there. Yeah. Just, we'll cut it at that. <laughs> maybe we should take a break. Maybe, yeah, no maybe. Call. Yeah, just one quick reminder before the break, listen to the other BN shows that... You know, used to be less classy than this show, but now we brought it way down. <laughs> they include Bruce Strong, Dr. Homebrew, Brewing the Style, and The Session. And let's take a break. Let's do it. We're the Sour Hour. We'll be right back. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. This is Jamel Zanisha, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Allagash Brewing, you are listening to the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. Hello. Hello. Hi. To all the listeners and the room in here. We're back. Hi. Back on the show. Hello. Welcome back. I'm going to get, uh, let's see, Rob. To do Brew Guru. It's not going to be as good as Tim in the last show. Where are we at? Oh, you got your jam on, bro. Oh, jam in the background. Brew Guru? Brew Guru. Have you seen what the free Brew Guru app can do for you? With Brew Guru, you can effortlessly find deals and save money on beer, food, and brewing supplies. Level up your brew IQ with hand-picked articles, proven recipes, and trusted resources from the American Umbrewers Association and Zymergy Magazine. And use powerful brewery locator to find nearby breweries, taverns, beer bars, homebrew supply shops, and brew pubs. Wherever you are, Brew Guru will lead you. Too good beer. Are you a beer? Sunday, uh, Sunday, yeah, Sunday. I, I, I feel like you tried way too hard. Wait, that was, keep that. Keep uh, Tim was keep a little more natural on that. That was a crazy but, brace. Yeah. The, the, the starts and stops. You loved it. Out of you I was, I was using it. the music for emphasis, you know. You loved it. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, we're doing a beer here, right? Yeah, Scott? we are. So while you open that, I just want to thank our friends again at Nishamni Creek Brewing. Yeah, for Jeremy sending us. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks, we're, Jeremy. We're getting some uh, bronze smoked lager, two times bronze metal. You don't have to share it with any of your crew. 
Because they all no. hate the, the well, people. Well, it's not here right now. I so want it. On. <laughs> I don't hate Pete. Okay, some of your crew. Three-time Philly Go Eagles, Beer Scene Magazine, <laughs> Burr of the Year. Sorry, Boston. I am actually going there next week, so <laughs> don't listen to this, everyone in Boston. Renovated tasting room. Go Eagles. <laughs> with a variety of beer styles from hoppy double IPAs to sessionable poundable lagers, oak fermented saisons, and sour beers, free brewery tours on Saturdays. New second location opening probably at least six months ago. Check it out. Neshaminy Brink. <laughs> Creek Brewing. Dot com. Yep. All right. We have uh, Justin on the line. Now, Justin uh, has uh, been on the show before. Uh, remember Bad Math Brewery? He calls his, uh, yep. his home project the Bad Math Brewery. So I guess uh, not all of his beers are gems. Justin, you there? Hey, how's it going? Hey, good, man. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you. Yeah, man. So we wanted to start in the same place, just kind of have him describe uh, what this was supposed to be and what he what he perceives the problem to be or what. Yeah, let's do that and uh, just walk us through it, Justin, and then uh, we'll have all the people in the room taste it, and then we'll, we'll give some feedback from there. All right, so this is the second iteration of the beer I had sent in before. Basically, 70% pale malt, 20%. Uh, honey and 10% apple juice and then for the culture that went into it I started it with the bell saison and let that go for a few days and then added some dregs and some brett into it and with this one I felt that well I didn't feel I realized um, maybe a month or month and a half into it being into secondary that for I got one of those Mr. Beer like two and a half gallon things then fermenting some of my sours in and I realized I forgot to put a gasket around it so it got like a lot of air into it so I think it got a little more acetic then I went to a little vinegary but thought you guys could taste it see what you thought about it I got some thoughts but let's go around the room anyone have an initial comment on this I'm looking at Rob. I've got a little initial. Uh, frankly, just for the record, I'm a fan of acetic uh, in the right amount. Uh, not everybody shares that sentiment, but uh, nope. I think acetic yes. it's not overpowering. Maybe a little oxidized. Nobody is going to know that. It's just a well-balanced acetic beer at this point, and I don't really see an acetic issue. If that's what you're worried about, There, it is present. It's acceptable stylistically if it's under control. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be worried about acetic. What about other off flavors besides acetic? I don't really get as much acetic as I do THP. There's very much of that cereal kind of cherryo flavor to it. Mm -hmm. It's not very off-putting, but I guess given the right amount of time, it should die out or be eaten up by Brett because Brett is known to create that off flavor as well but I don't really get acetic Tim yeah I, I just wanted to ask uh, how much apple juice did you uh, add to the mixture for this batch it was um, it was a five gallon batch initially and I split into the two into two of the fermenters so I put I guess a pound about a pound of apple juice concentrate into it that was into secondary. I just put the, I 
did my mash and everything. I put the honey in at the end of the boil, and I didn't add the um, apple juice concentrate into it until two or three days into fermentation. Okay. And how much concentrate? Oh, it was a pound, so I'd say for the gravity of the beer, it was about 10%. I, I've noticed a little bit of the acetic. I've noticed a little bit of the THP. The the most present thing for me is uh, it has a very cidery quality to it. I think first off, this is a this is a tasty beer. I mean, like I think we've been very fortunate in the the off flavor hour that you know none of these beers have been too aggressive. Um, this is a good beer. I I just that uh, cider quality is very present, and I would maybe recommend I think dialing it down just a little bit in the future. In order to get more complex balanced beer, I mean, just listening to my coworkers' take on it, it sounds like it just comes down to personal taste. I get basically the things that everyone said, and it just basically comes down to what your personal palate likes and doesn't like. For me, I get the acetic, I get a little like low E, ethyl acetate kind of character, and that's not my personal taste. I don't like it, that character of the beer. As far as a cidery thing goes, for me, any beer that ages a long time gets to what I would I mean I derogatorily call like apple juice white wine blah 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 anyway you know I think they're interesting components to the beer but it basically just boils down to if you like this acetic or uh, this potential acetic character then that's fine and if you would want to limit it then just let the beer age less you know let me ask. Yeah. Can, let me ask a quick question, Jay, before sure. you give your take. Yeah, sure. So, do you have acetic flavors in any rare barrel commercial releases? No. Okay. So then, so so it's not really fair to say that it's yes, just a matter it's just of a taste. Joke. Um, Guys. Guys. Uh, so wait, are you saying that you're saying you do? Absolutely. Deliberately so. Let me. Let me. No, I'm never go. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go for this one. Yeah, that's fair. Because every sour beer has acetic acid, so you send it out for testing. There's like a two to one, three to one ratio where the higher number is lactic acid to acetic acid. Every sour beer has acetic acid. Every sour beer has ethyl acetate. So it's a threshold. It's not about rare barrel beer. It's not about anyone's beer. It's about sour beer. This is these are the byproducts produced like alcohol or anything. Diastole, you know. So you have maybe five PBB of diastole. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't taste diastole in this beer. Yeah, it's because you can't taste it. Right. So different flavor thresholds and all this stuff. When it comes to the acid balance, you know, then there's, you add other acids, citric, malic, all this other stuff. That makes it more complex. And maybe I'm going off on a big tangent right now, but my personal opinion and, you know, we're working on building out our uh, sensory program a little more. There are a lot of practical things that will help us through that program. My one pet project is to test everyone and see if a lot of lactic acid, it gets interpreted as acetic acid. Mm. It's like, oh, this is just really sour mm-hmm. because we've had beers that we've tasted before that we've went out and gotten tested. And it's like, oh, no, there's, that's just like a lot of lactic acid in this. It's like, oh, it's acetic. And I wonder if code word for like... A little too sour for my taste is acetic, mm-hmm. you know. But there, it's it's quite different. That's just my you know my one opinion in the room here. There's a lot of good palates and good brewers in here, so that's just me. I should also say 
maybe I, from some self-examination on my palate, I'm not as susceptible or um, sensitive to ethyl acetate, acetic acid. I don't get that from this beer. I do get a strong, uh, I think, Tim, you were driving at this, the cider character, big apple juice. Big. And I wrote down a note here, and I was like, is there even, like, some unfermented apple juice in here? It's so It's mm. like, it's not overly sweet, but it's just, like, so apple juicy to me. Way more than I get of, like, ethyl acetate or acetic acid. So I see some people moving around in the background and talking, so I'm sure there'll be some reactions to what I just said. But that's kind of my take. Brandon, let's go to you first. Well, I am a fan of a mild acetic character, so... Uh, personally, one of my favorite recently beers that I've tasted have been from uh, BFM. They make a phenomenal Grand Cru that has a mild acetic character. I don't know if I would consider an off flavor. There is a threshold. I do agree with that. As far as the threshold goes, I would say I don't want it to be overwhelming on the acetic-ness, but a touch of it is... N- I wouldn't disagree with for the style of a Grand Cru. There has been a few rare barrel beers that have some acetic-ness, and I don't really consider that being an off flavor, and I wouldn't consider it bad. I actually like it a lot. Whether or not other people, co-workers, agree with that or not, and, and I can, I can, Stefan is slowly yeah. leaning towards. I, I, I can definitely see way. that from uh, Stefan right now. Just quick, um, quick aside, back to my point. Like there, every beer has acetic acid that we've ever been. Exactly, and as far as the threshold, I honestly think it depends on the day. If I'm feeling worn out or I've been drinking, you know, we're all brewers, so if we've been what drinking. Are you saying? <laughs> We like to, uh, we're beer enthusiasts, and so we like to taste a lot. (laughs) So we like to taste a lot of beer, and our palates might be more or less wrecked the next day. And so when we're going through these tastings and we're tasting beer, even for me, myself, it can be a little subjective whether or not it's lactic acid or acidicness and I have to go back through what I've been taught back then as as far as where that puckeriness or sourness is coming from based on where I, I feel the sensation on in my mouth or on my palate. It's it's really hard at times and there's plenty of times and I know when we go through our QC tastings we're asked not to eat or drink anything an hour beforehand. I'm gonna be honest, sometimes I forget about it and I had had a sip of coffee, you know, a half hour a before tasting. Fried chicken. Yeah, or a bucket of fried chicken. <laughs> and so I I get confused, especially when we get to those dark beers and I'm like, Oh, I taste roasty and well, I don't know if it's the fried chicken or if it's the actual malts of the beer. So I record that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jenna. Jenna's all over that. Yeah. Um, I She's writing notes watch, about Brandon right now. Oh, shit. Watch you guys before you're doing sensory. 
I also will take note if one of you say, if one of you walk in and say, damn, I'm so freaking hungover. <laughs> I'll take note of that because I'm positive that your palate is not worth shit. <laughs> so, let's, let's, let's pause there. Justin, are you still alive? <laughs> yeah. Justin's here. He's here. <laughs> Hopefully we haven't, you know. Bored, literally bored you to Justin death. Justin is, is shopping on Amazon with Bebo right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, did, did you get anything from that, Justin? That's my question. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so, with a beer like this, I guess a, a question I have is, is it way off base to keep something? For me, like, my palate is uh, pretty sensitive, I feel like, to any acidic character. So, is it worth keeping a beer like this around? For not this, obviously, since it's already bottled and everything. But if I were to do another beer and it comes out a little acid, keep it around for blending stock. Um, Great blending stock. As the person who noted their feelings about being sensitive, I personally would say it's not worth keeping around, but. Ultimately, what it comes down to, in my personal opinion, is how liberal you feel with the beer you have. It, like this is, if you feel like you can get rid of it and you feel strong enough that this isn't my taste, then I say just dump it and just move on and make a better beer. But I know people they're sitting in close proximity to me that feel like there, you know, their virtues to beer, you know, flavor contributions from that. So it comes down to how you feel, but. I will say, dump it, move on. If you think it's acetic, it's terrible, and move on. So yeah, acetic, <laughs> uh, acetic is never going to turn around with time, right? No. Never. It's it not not worse. Worse. And then uh, Tim, you were going to say something else. Yeah, I was. I was going to say it, it seems like you have a really good handle on the beer that you're presenting to us. I I would say, I mean, go with your gut. Maybe mess around with some of the contributions for the malt or the apple cider over time, and and just see next batch. Just tweak that and see what you like as an end result. I say, fuck it. I like this beer. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. Yeah. So uh, let me see if I can kind of wrap I, this up a little bit. Yeah, do it. With a bow. That's, your, so, that's, your, that's your deal. <laughs> the, only, uh, <laughs> the only obvious off flavor to my like uh, less sophisticated palate than, than your guys' is, is I get the same THP that, you know. I do this, not. This, by the way, I should, you, I'm, I'm going to chime in. I don't really get I absolutely wow, do not get THP. Yeah. I'm I getting most of I don't get it either. Wow. Let's say that that's THP is a big you know, hot button. But are you perceiving it as diacetyl, or you don't get either one of the? You don't get the cereal thing from all. this. I don't get it wow, either. that's amazing! You don't, Tommy? Oh how about goodness. you? <laughs> there is nothing. What? No, there's no THP. There's obviously a. Let's, let's cruise past that though, Scott. You're going to wrap this up. Well, I, I mean. I, it's yeah, so wow, wow! It's so obvious. My been saying that we're tasting the same beer. Well, the only reason I was bringing that up is because it, because it's the only obvious off flavor that I'm perceiving, at least. The only thing that I it's that, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, really. Let's, let's pause on that. Are you talking Rocky THP or is CD? THP. It's a little bit in the retro nasal. THP a little Completely bit in the retro nasal. Wow. Barely though. Uh, so, I think. Wait, hold on. Let me. Let me. Let me I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you again, Brandon, but uh, Justin, I just know that we debate our beers this way all the time at the Red Barrel, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, sour beer is so hard, and it's like. You get half people, oh, you know, I'm I'm not into this, and the other half are like, I like this a lot, and it's not like that's 
what you strive for, but it's kind of always going to be a reality. I don't know a sour beer. I've never had a sour beer where I I could give it to 10 people and they're like all, oh, yeah, that's obviously fantastic. Hmm. Obviously, it's a great sour beer. Some have hype. Some have good ratings online. Some have, you know, a great label. But you get it in front of 10 experienced tasters. <laughs> I dare you not to get a negative comment. I dare you. The and sensory data can be infuriating. Yeah, I bet. So I'm just saying this beer, just just to my taste, not that I'm, you know, I'm just one voice in the room right now, but this beer is good. I, I would have a whole... 10 ounces of this and be very happy with oh, it. Okay, so then let me forget my what I perceive or don't perceive. Let me, because uh, I think... And Scott doesn't know what the F he's talking I about. I really so. don't. So I, I'm speaking <laughs> as the resident layperson. So the only thing that I hear that Justin, like, you know you did wrong was that you forgot to put your, the gasket on your on the neck of your carboy, right? Right. Right. Okay, so... He's asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, now there must have been some oxygen that you didn't want in there that got in there because of that mistake, right? Correct. Okay. So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to drill down, like, what could Justin have done differently? Now, this is an obvious one. He knows he forgot the gasket, and therefore there's too much oxygen. But is it fair to say that if you guys aren't perceiving THP or, or, or um, any other off flavors that extra oxygen would bring on, that it didn't even matter that he forgot the gasket? I mean, some people in the room are perceiving those, though. So it's like I, I'm not trying to presume that my opinion is, you know, about it. That, that's one of the things that I like about having everyone in the room here is, like, I like it, maybe shooting the middle. It kind of seems like a, a compromise, but, you know, I like having seven, nine people taste something because once you send it out, like, a thousand bottles, two thousand bottles of something, well, guess what? That's going to be 10,000 people tasting that. So, yeah, maybe we should have nine people taste it yeah, right. before we let it leave the brewery. And that's what we do. And we argue over it. And we, you know, sometimes we disagree. And it's all that stuff. So um, I, I wouldn't say that the oxygen ingress didn't make an impact on this beer. It just didn't make it an impact on, on my palate. But I think maybe some other people in the room... Would disagree, and I wouldn't say you're wrong. I just, you know, every palate is different. Not better, not worse. Just, just different. You and know? it sort of like passes the smell test to you that like a gasket could have been left off, and it could have had that little sure. of an impact. Sure. Really, man. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, no, no. I would say maybe I'm. You know, maybe you fill the carboy all the way up, and you have a very small neck at the, at the top, and it's like a very small oxygen impact on the top of the beer. Because we've talked to people who have, you know, a carboy. There's a wide shoulder. Almost imagine, you know, like a human being. You got the shoulder, and then a neck, and then sometimes the the beer level is at like below shoulder level. That's a wide surface mm-hmm. area to be in contact sure. with air. You assume it's CO two, but over time kind of changes into just atmospheric air so that's going to have more oxygen ingress but if it's just right up at the the neck of the carboy or the bottle then you're a little bit better off makes sense justin let me ask you this dude if you did this beer again what would you change about the process besides remembering your gaskets (laughs) no no i do agree with the cidery character to it that I would uh, maybe drop how much apple juice I put in it. And 
like you guys were talking about it, I thought it had, a, I got THP or what I've heard described as THP. So I was, I let it age a little longer. And then I guess there's another question for THP is from what you guys at the rear barrel are experiencing. Is it better to let it bulk age in the fermenter for that to dissipate or go ahead and bottle it and let it age in the bottles? Great question. Any transfer of beer has the opportunity to pick up oxygen. I think that's the main catalyst to THB production. It's not that we don't see it when we transfer from, let's say, to a fermenter to a barrel, barrel to a tank to package. It's not that it doesn't happen, but it's far more prevalent when we package. So we go from barrel, no THB, to tank, no THB, to bottle, no THP at that time, and then we taste it during the re-fermentation process and some THP. Basically, it's just like, how hard is it to fill a tank or a barrel versus thousands of bottles? And it's really hard to fill thousands of bottles in a way that's as effective as you fill a tank, you do a long purge on it, you purge a barrel, you do, you know, very good pressure transfers uh, with CO2. Not to say that's perfect because it's not, but there's a lot of problems going to package. And that's something that we definitely focus a lot on. You know, some people, we have a a counter pressure bottling line, so we can do like a little bit of a purge and like, you know, a vacuum and all this stuff. We don't fill our bottles with any carbonation in the beer but there's a lot of sour breweries that just do gravity fills, which the most common piece of equipment is you hook up a bottle to what looks like, you know, a four, I'll, I'll call it prong cow udder or something like that. And, you know, you, you hook it up and it splashes all over the cascades, all over the top of the bottle, all the way to the bottom you can purge that as much as you want with CO2, but it's not like the most effective way to, to fill a bottle. And I've talked to some brewers who say, oh, yeah, you know, we don't get THP from that. But also say, you know, it's a lot of people who don't know quite how to perceive THP, present company included. You know, we just we just went through a whole beer and we said, yeah, yeah, I think this is in it and I don't and. I do, I don't, and, I, and it's, we're, we're all in development on that. And well, and, and as described, it's a huge, it's an oxygen charge, isn't it? So if you don't get THP, you're just lucky. Sure, I mean, what a lot of the stuff we do yeah. is oxygen exposed. We put our beer in oak barrels, and, you know, that's, it's it's just inherently dangerous for that. Um, and most of our beers don't get THP in the bottle. And I credit Jen and our quality program with our terminal acid shock prep on a lot of our bottling and a lot of the crew here who does the work on that where it's like we start two days in advance. It's like let's get this yeast up and ready and going where it's going to be. We waited all this time. You know, Stefan's leading the charge on falling asleep and also uh, <laughs> blending our beer. And, you know, making a good blend. It's like, hey, these barrels are good. They've been aging forever. Let's bring it to tank. 
and let's not mess it up. And that's that's a big responsibility. So I was awake. I heard that. Oh, I heard all of that. Yep. Sure. Sure. <laughs> anyway, where are we at now? So, uh, Justin, I hope that answered your question. Um, again, we we just we are just going off the rails here. Thank you for joining us in the yeah. second show yeah. of a rare barrel show because we're. We're just intolerable, I'm sure. Yeah, we had it really. We had it really together about an hour ago, Justin. You're just a little. Oh, yeah, late. we were crushing it. Yeah, and I, just to recap on that, Justin. I mean, what it really comes down to is try not to think of a brewer's perspective as a blender's perspective. It's kind of what you think you you want in that beer. Yeah, we pick up a, what we consider off flavors, but to me, like acetic acid is acceptable to some levels. So. From one person, they say acetic acid is not acceptable at all to someone like me where I'm like, well, there's a small amount to it and it's okay because it adds more complexity to the beer itself. It's kind of up to you what you want those flavors and complexities to be in your beer. Agreed. Although not everyone is. Yeah, <laughs> of course not. So acetic acid, hot topic. But uh, honestly, we get, we've got to get to a break. Yeah. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for sending your beer. I, I feel, I mean, I'm, this is my personal opinion. This is the latest good. Stefan, are you, is this your first time here? You, you drag that glass all across the table. It's trying to make noise. Thanks for the rest. Shush up there. Uh, anyway. Another great beer yeah, on the Bad no Beer kidding. Show. Yep. So thank you, thank you for doing it, and please continue to send us some beers, and we'd love to talk to you more about it. Yeah, dude. Thanks, Justin. We appreciate it. You're great. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate for, it for sure. Cheers. Cheers. Sorry for the nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna do one more segment, oh, you guys. Last segment oh. coming up. All right, can we get, we need to make it count, guys. We're still in the air. So. <laughs> he was just asleep. We'll be right back on the Sour Hour. With over 20 years of experience making world-class craft beer and more than 100 gold medals in international competitions, Moylan's Brewing Company is not just a pretty face in craft beer. Just ask Brendan Moylan. What do we got here? The beer of the hour. Moylan's, gotta love that big M. It's like a sign of awesomeness. It's got an extra kick to it. Let's pour this bad boy. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, Moylan's. The end of the night when the kids are finally in bed, the wife's in bed, <laughs> nobody's bothering your ass anymore. That's Moylan's time. Moylan's is for you. Yeah. It's to help you out. Yeah. It helps me out. What? Well, because it's freaking awesome. Northern California brewed. It's brewed with love. With love? Oh, yeah. Tremendous. And it's always best where? Moylan's. got to try it on tap at Moylan's. In Novato. They're friggin' awesome. Not only because I own the brewery, because I love the beer. Cheers! Boom! Kilt Lifter Scotch Ale takes big beers to a whole new level with rich malt balanced perfectly with delicate hops and now comes in four pack tall boy cans so you can take the party on the go. Or come to the brewery, take a tour, and try any of Moylan's fresh creations right from the source. Check them out at Moylan's.com. Sour hour, yes, Sean. we are. <laughs> this would not have been the show to record the uh, off-air conversations for. The- no, that's not. <laughs> that's that's not our best. All right, we're back. 
We got one more segment. Let's yeah, wrap it up. Let's we do, do some yeah. questions. <laughs> okay. That's all, the, I got. That's all I got. Did you do Sour Beer Blog? Brought to us by? Uh, we no, 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 no. But you know what? I, I, I did. Oh. I believe. Here's another question from Christoph. I read a, he had a few questions on one email. I read one a few shows ago. Here's another one. He said, I recently had a Brett Lager from the Wild Beer Company in Somerset, UK. How would you approach such a beer? Oh, no, wait. Did we do that one? Lager yeast fermentation? I feel like, yes. Yeah, we did. Can we do lager yeast? Okay, no, let's... Well, maybe your cruise take? Sure. How would you guys do this, all right? Uh, So he's asking... Stefan, you were just talking about how you like lager as a particular way. A a Brett lager, Stefan. So how would you approach it? This guy is saying, like, would you do a lager yeast fermentation? I think Sean and Tim maybe. Uh, And then add Brett, or just would you do everything in there from the start? Well, I... So I'm going to start this out as the naysayer. I, I mean, I would... Pers- Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> you may have heard Jay, the radio professional, speaking way outside his microphone out there. That's a comedic tactic. Um, <laughs> Get way off the mic, and then you're like, oh, my God. It's very effective. All things aside, I personally wouldn't do a lager yeast, but that's for my personal taste for a beer, a mixed culture beer, just because... A lager beer is going to be cleaner, and that's not what I want. Jay is referencing me talking earlier about a lager that I like to drink is a hop-forward, noble, hoppy beer, and I'm looking for the hop character, not the other stuff. Obviously, I want a clean beer. Anyway, I can see a lot of arms flailing and whatnot in my peripheral, if not direct. It is into your direct. Stop farting. I'm trying for it to be my peripheral, but it's my direct vision. Anyway, everyone. I'm I'm, going to bring this short. Anyway, uh, a lager beer, in my opinion, is a clean beer that, if my taste is dominated by other Flavors. It's not what I want in a mixed culture beer, but I am not going to be the arbiter on what should and shouldn't be. Um, I'm going to look in my direct eyesight for the next take on that. On to Tim. Sean. Or Tim. Sean, Sean, let me rephrase the question before you answer. To Sean. Yes, we want people to perceive, oh, a Brett Lager when they drink this beer. What would you do? How would you brew it? The issue with a Brett Lager is that you're looking at trying to get bread expression from a particular ferment that is exceedingly clean. I think I've had a number of, honestly, fruited sour lagers that come across as very clean, very delicious, and very fruit-forward. I have had a number from particularly Maine. Um, there's a lot of brewers out there that are working with sour lagers. I think it presents a very unique base, um, and it actually coincides with, from my experience, with uh, white wine fermentations. White wine fermentations are conducted at a significantly lower temperature than brewers use for their yeast. You know, the reason for that is a cleaner expression in terms of yeast character. I'm a, you know, my bias is definitely against bubblegum, is definitely against banana and I think that you get a lot of that from a lower fermentation temperature, as well as when you get fruit character into there, it's great. I think that the sour lager ferments, I mean, what are you going for if you're going for a, to be a little down? And I'm sure Jay's going to give me a dirty look here, or at least maybe Tommy, but definitely not Stefan. Uh, um, Sean, in- I I, ha- <laughs> I have to ask you this. What is a Brett lager or mm. a... Mm. Sour lager, as so, you described. Um, 
Quick thing for me before I give it over to Tim here is that a Brett Lager is definitely Does looking Tim want to at talk? having a little bit more control <laughs> over Final Gravity. I think Final Gravity with terms of the amount of sugar that's available for uh, the Brett in terms of the amount of alcohol that's already present gives me definitely a bit of a bias. I'm sorry, Sean, but Final Gravity does not matter if you're trying to find lager, especially when it comes to Brett. Tim lager. sounds a lot like Brandon. <laughs> Really? Oh, well, yeah. so... Go um, ahead, Tim. <laughs> so, before I went pro, I, I had the fortune to talk to some, you know, professional brewers that had way more knowledge than I had, and some of them said that uh, lager yeast has the capability of consuming things like monosaccharides and disaccharides and could not consume things like multi-chain dextrins and starch. And so what would happen is if you had a lager fermentation that... Uh, some of these beers would leave like multi-chain dextrins and would actually benefit Britannomyces in the long run because there were a lot of longer chain dextrins that were left versus if you had, had did primary fermentation with an ale yeast. So from what I had learned, again, this is not from you know general experience that I have done, but from what I've learned, lager has the ability to leave a lot more sugars for Britannomyces to consume. So what you would actually get is a more complex Britannomyces profile over time. Okay. So we're maybe. looking at it from a scientific maybe. Maybe, yes. perspective. Maybe. But from a flavor perspective, what are you getting? I'll just comment, and then we'll go to the next question because it's a long time on one question. <laughs> I have to, and maybe I'll just get a one-word answer from Stefan on this. But uh, I think the thing that, you know, we're trying to, not yet, I, you don't even know what I'm saying. The thing we've been trying to drive Britannomyces flavor aromas at the rare barrel for a long time, and if I could answer it in one word, I would say it's hops. Hop interaction with Brett is how we've been able to drive hop flavor, hop aromatics in our beers. Would you agree with that, Stephen? You know, I, I heard they recently decided oh, to add more hops. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, McLovin. Hops. <laughs> I. Yes. Uh, yeah, Maybe. but we're not there. That was a one-word request. <laughs> yes. We're not there yet. It's not that simple. Yes. <laughs> Acceptable. All right. All right. Uh, next question, next Scott, question. With, with my... Yeah, the next question is for Tommy. Uh, for Tommy, uh, regarding blending an acid beer uh, with a less sour beer for balance, would the bugs in the very sour beer not just eat through what is left in the less sour beer and it would end up just as sour again? Uh, honestly, I don't know, but probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. Expand on that. <laughs> Expand. Uh, what am I expanding on? Sorry. <laughs> that, that question that you just heard. Let's repeat it. All right, we'll repeat it. It's uh, for Tommy. Uh, regarding blending uh, an acid beer with a less sour beer for balance, would the bugs in the very sour beer not just eat through what was left in the less sour beer, and then it would end up just as sour? Yes. Yes. yes? <laughs> Question mark? No, no exclamation. <laughs> Pretty much. Is there sugar in the non-sour beer well he doesn't reference this is a, a specific question from Melissa he's, he didn't reference oh, yes. a specific Robert, beer I, I, how dare you like talk without a microphone in your mouth eat through then there's, there's one there's, they're I all think, over I think that's pretty I mean 
So let's say forget. It's kind of clear for, to us. Uh, okay, that's any residual sugar will, would be consumed by any other residual microbes being added to that. Right. In one you way know, or, but you never know when what point. the final gravity of any beer is, though. So it's not I that guess by straightforward. His you would just I would just say residual, residual sugar would be consumed by any bacteria that. Could it's an implication, but what is residual and what is not? You know, so it's right. like what? what so point five Play-Doh, which we do all our things in Play-Doh, is like is that residual or is it is two Play-Doh all residual or is I that would consider that locked residual. in? Yeah. So anything that's not zero point zero. Residual would be considered yes. residual. That's sugar. what the word and, means. No. But but and consumed because we don't we don't have things consumed. Not all of our beer is finished at zero point zero. And this is something I've referenced on the podcast before, which is that you know I was worried about when we started. And you guys have tried some of these beers recently. You know, overcarbonation of our earlier beers. So do you account for everything going to zero zero? I talked to a bunch of brewers, and they're like. Absolutely yes. Well, it depends uh, on uh, the you know no aspects. The mash profile, it, mash it profile, on the XTF. You know, it depends house culture, on the, everything. Yeah, it depends. I on agree. The, the initial brew. I agree. So I I didn't know what it depended on for us. So what I had to do was test it out. So I bottled some beer up in our initial year, and we probably waited over three or four months of our beer just being ready. And it's like, okay, this is ready, but I need to just, we need to still not sell any beer, which is brutal, but make sure these bottles don't overcarbonate and explode. They don't go down to zero, zero. I talked to brewers who were like, zero, zero or bust. Hey, one or two Play-Doh, that's fine. And then other people were like, oh yeah, we do some beers that are at like three or four Play-Doh and that's totally fine too. And it's just like, okay, at some point. We just got to put beer in bottles and I would say, test it out. like, one way you can determine, you know, your ending gravity, potentially, is, you know, with XDFs. Any mash or, you know, basically brew you're, you're doing is different, you know. It's really going to be hard to, for a brewer, especially a sour brewery like us, to contracting wort to be able to consistently produce the same war every time it's just not going to happen it's going to be different every time and uh you know you got to be looking at your xdf your fermentable sugars it's never going to be the same it's mm-hmm. you know it's hyper always, fermentative it's, yeast too it's like it's always know, different it's never going to be a 0.0 type of thing it's it's always batch specific i would say i agree with rob on that I really depends on terminal gravity, so residual sugar, if we're adding more fruit, or even vegetables like cucumbers, where it can add more sugar. That's not a fruit? Uh, okay, so there's some debate there. Tomatoes, tomatoes. Cucumbers it's all are the same fruit. Thing. Tomatoes are definitely a fruit. Yeah. Bro. Okay, whatever. So is tomato. But, yeah. So same, same tomato thing. Tomato is definitely a fruit. So it adds like a point. Like, we'll just hypothetically say 0.02% residual sugars to it. That's definitely more than terminal. So, yeah, the beer was stable at 0.2 Play-Doh, but now that we added cucumber, it adds a certain amount of percentage to it, so now it's not as stable. So it really depends on the, the beer and the adjuncts that we add to it. 
I say it also depends on whether you own the brewery or not. Yeah. <laughs> and my opinion is you got to be conservative, and we don't swear a lot on this. Conservative as fuck. <laughs> AF. Yeah. Conservative AF. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I can't, and I can't disagree with that. So when I talk we to are. smart when I talk to smart people and they're like, oh, yeah, nothing. Not you, Stefan. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> here nothing, is smart. Nothing but zero point zero. Also, nothing. Oh, oh yeah, four plate. That's fine too. It's like okay. At some point, I, uh, there's no there's no right answer in the middle of that. So just like. Just put test batches into bottles and see what they happen. See see what happens when the, we, we do that. And go conservative in the early days on our carbonation, which it absolutely is. And then we grow it up over time, and then we're in a safe place for carbonation. It's, you know, regular volumes, and that's that's what we do now. And to me, that was the smart approach at the time and I, going back I wouldn't have changed it a single thing single thing about how I approached that but uh, one second hey, if I no. could add one thing Sorry. in and Jay's, Jay's holding up a sign what does the that. sign say don't yeah, worry about it that's, um, that's radio only um, if I could add one thing radio radio only. I'd say we do readings very conservatively and I sent some I sent a picture. I don't. I don't know what I'm hearing in the background, but I sent a picture to my former coworkers. Mm-hmm. Listeners might remember uh, Mike and Aaron. I was like, I sent them a picture. It's like, what does this even mean to you? It said negative zero point eight Play-Doh. What does negative zero point eight Play-Doh mean to a rational it's human being? Not theoretically being? possible. And what I mean by that is there are variables that make these kind of conversations more difficult. Than even what Jay is describing. So it's like we're trying to figure things out, but then, you know, alcohols make instruments difficult. That's, we figure things out. Yeah. But I'm just saying, let me send you a picture of a DMA that says negative 0.8. And you you text me back and tell me what that means. <laughs> Without a joke. Anyway. That's, what that's does a, that mean, Stefan? joke. Yeah, I mean, totally. <laughs> now, give me your worst Anton Parr reading. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> All right, uh, Scott, let me, yeah. what, what should we do? Should we get the hell out of here? Uh, yeah, right. we should. I, let me, let me the, the last, this is uh, Christoph's email, as I mentioned. I think that's all three questions from his email. He said uh, some background information. Oh, I didn't know we were answering anything. <laughs> he said, my brother and I run a small brewery in Cape Town, South Africa. So this question comes to us from South Africa. He Hello. says, it's a sideline to our full-time day jobs. We are in the unique position that we do not have to turn a huge profit, lucky you, but we're finding time for everything and uh, growing is a bitch. When I get back home in January, we plan to start small and experiment with a few sours. That's this month, so uh, good luck this IPA. Talk. What? <laughs> oh, nice! I am sorry you there. <laughs> I didn't hear it. We can cut it out. <laughs> Nelson Salvin Mandela. <laughs> I like that too. That's better. Oh, man. Uh, well, good luck, uh, Christoph. Keep us updated with uh, what goes on there. I hope he answered your questions. It was no, unclear to me if we answered your questions. <laughs> we just gave two borderline events. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Names. Are we done? We're done. We just made more questions. What's that, Rob? <laughs> you're, you're the ultimate off-air commenter. Well, thanks to all of our sponsors who are abandoning us now. Thanks to all the listeners who are also abandoning us now. 
Thanks to you, Scott. Thanks to the Rare Barrel staff Thanks, for guys. being here. I love you guys. And until next time, stay sour. Stay sour. Conservative as fuck.